0: good uh, afternoon and please be seated. Thank you so much Pastor Joseph. Um, Thanks for having me. This is a flying visit and um, I woke up in London and will sleep in another country tonight. Um, Thank you so much man of God. We love you. We honor you. We respect you and also thanks to your wife. Um, I had a pastor once say that the most important person in America is not the American president. The most important person in America is the woman that shares the bed of the American president. Because she can move things and shake things. So the most important person in CFI is not Pastor Joseph. Please help me celebrate Sister Aisha, Pastor Aisha. Our first lady. I will love you, ma'am. Amen. So I bring you greetings from central London, where it's been raining. You know, London tends to keep its reputation 365, so uh, you keep raining all the time. I believe when true revival comes to this country, the weather will change. Until then, you guys keep praying. But uh, greetings from New York. My wife, I left her there, so I'm going to pick her, and then we'll be home in the Gambia where God lives Um, and moves. And thank you so much for sending your team, Sister Esther and the team, great women of faith. They really inspired us. Um, Some people do very little and get to that age and feel they are carrying the world. But these women have really done so much and we look forward to seeing them again and again. And uh, Pastor Philip, Pastor Philip, I called him the fireball because he told me he was the smoke, that the fire will come later. And I said, if that is what the smoke is like, then when the fire comes, we need to call the fire engine to stand around our church. He blessed us so much, and um, the fragrance of his blessing is still with us. Uh, so God bless you. Pastor, thank you so much. We Let's see what the Lord has in store for us and where he's taking us to in this relationship. My wife is called Angela, so I'm one of the few pastors and men who are married to an angel with an A at the end. So... I have both heaven and earth in my house. Amen. I'm told I have 40 minutes. I'm not too sure whether it started counting or it's counting when I said, Thus said the Lord. All right. Okay. Whatever. 40 minutes. I preach short. When I crossed 50, then I, some things started moving in my body. So I knew I had to now take it easy because I've been to the mountain and I'm coming down. But I need to tell you a story. I like to tell stories before I preach. It breaks the atmosphere because you all look so intimidating. So I need to make you laugh. And then when you are laughing, I'll preach. Is that fine? All right. So there's this gentleman. He was in a place um, where he was kind of removed out of society section just because of the challenges that were going on in his life amongst other people. And for about two years, um, they were being rehabilitated. um, And uh, the day came that um, they were supposed to be reintegrated into society. And so, they were going to be interviewed one after the other. And they were going to be asked only one question. So, this guy packs his luggage from the dorm, walks down, bids farewell to his friends because he's so sure um, that he's going to be reintegrated into society. So, he opens the door. There's a panel of five men sitting before him. He's standing. He greets them. They greet him. And they said, simple, we're going to ask you one question. If you get the answer to the question, And you can go and join normal society. He said, okay. So, uh, one of the panelists put his hand up and said, simple question. If I give you a potato, what will you do with it? And he smiled. He said, simple. Uh, I'll wash it. And then I'll peel it. And then I'll slice it. And then I'll fry it. And the panel was like, wow, he got it. So they clapped for him, gave him a standing ovation, welcomed him back into society. He went back to the dorm and told his friends, bye-bye, I told you, I'm gone, I'm fine, all is well. And his friends were, look, you know, give us inside secret, inside info, appall. And he said, it's a simple thing. They're going to ask you one question. They're going to ask you if they give you a potato. What do you do? Four answers. Number one, you wash it. You peel it. Number three is what? Okay. See the way you are looking at me, Yeah. You slice it. And number four, you fry it. Okay, everybody say wash. Wash. This might be my message. You don't know. Wash. wash. Slice. slice. Peel. peel. Fry. Everybody, at the back, let me hear you. Wash. Slice. No. You Peel, slice, fry. The next guy came, came very bold and stood before the panel and they welcomed me. And the panelist said, you know, we just have a simple question. And he said, I'm ready. I said, if we give you a wife, what will you do? He said, simple, I will wash her, peel her, slice her. I'll fry her. And the man looked at him and said, her father will wash you, slice you, and fry you. So be careful what you tell people. It reminds me about another guy, Pastor Joseph. He fell in love with this girl, but the girl hadn't really gone to much schooling. So he sends her a text and said, hey baby, sleep well and have a good night. And she responded and said, sleep well and may your soul rest in peace. <laughs> of course, the guy didn't sleep all night. Second Samuel chapter 9. Wow, lovely church. Many years ago, I used to do a program on radio called Vital Supplements, and it used to go on for three minutes, and I preached for three minutes. This is my 21st year and in my country. I've been preaching on TV since June 1996, 25 minutes, so I'll be fine. Forty minutes is jara. Second Samuel nine one. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless it as always, O oh God. In Jesus' name. Now David said, "Is there still anyone who is left of the house Saul so, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake?" It's a bit of feedback on the mic. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zeba or Ziba, depending on your English teacher. And so when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Zeba? He said, at your service. And the king said, is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness or the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame at his feet, has poliomyelitis." So the king said to him, "Where is he?" And Ziba said to the king, "Indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, in Lo-debar." And King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makar, son of Amiel from Lodibar, and when Mophibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And and he answered, here is your servant. King David said to him, do not be afraid, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, and said to him, I have given to your master's son All that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. It moves from continually now to always. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded, his servant, so will your servant do. And the king said it one more time. As for Mephibosheth, he shall eat at my table one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba became servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. I want to speak briefly on what I call covenant blessings and rewards, regardless. Covenant blessings and rewards, regardless, regardless. This story comes from the backdrop of the fact that God had given David rest on every side, just two chapters, chapter 7. God had given him so much rest that David began to have ideas. And he thought, I've not built a church for the Lord. I want to put up something as a legacy for God. And God had to speak to prophet Nathan to tell him that, look, I gave you a lot of victory. I gave you all your battles. But, you know, there are some things that I can let you do because you want them done. But there are some levels of sacrifice that you cannot get into because, you know, you've killed so many people. We can't establish a temple based upon you. So there's going to be another son who will be born and his name will be Solomon, etc. So David began to think, well, there's something else I must do. Then he remembered. David, let me back up. God had originally intended to be the king of the Israelites, of the Jews. From when he brought them from, ex, um, from Egypt in the Exodus story, and was leading them, the wilderness, all the things you know. Um, His idea was that they were going to be a theocracy, as you know. This is a well-taught church, so I'm sure you know that. And um, he was the pillar of cloud by day, and he was the pillar of cloud fire by night. So, they were moving with God, and they had no need to lack. They wore shoes for 40 years and put, you know, all the shoe companies out of business. They wore things for 40 years, and as long as they followed God, everything was fine. But, you know, sometimes you look at what you have, and it doesn't look like what other people have. So, in your country, you teach us that the grass appears greener on the other side. And by the way, so does the water bill, too, for the grass to be that green. And so, they thought, well, we also want a king like the other nations, And God said, you don't need a king, you have me. No, we want a human representative. And God said, I'll give you a king, but I warn you, he's not going to be a giving king, he's going to be a taking king. And he'll take wives and daughters and children and lands. In any case, it's a monarchy, so like here, you're not citizens, you're subjects. So everything belongs to one person. And so one fine day, this man called Kish, had many sons, but he called one boy, called Saul, tall, handsome, head and shoulders, very looking, good-looking guy, but shy, calls him and says, you know, I've lost my donkey, so can you go and look for my donkeys? And as I'm teaching, there are many things I want you to pick in the spirit because there are many things God does to change our lives. This is one of them. And so what seems to be like an ordinary errand, that some people can say, I'm too busy, I want to watch Scandal, and I want to watch Nigerian movies, and I want to watch that. You could just be walking away from your destiny. It was an ordinary call. And many others. well, I'm on my Xbox, I'm, you know, I'm too tired, and I want to watch the proms and all that. But Saul just said, let me go with the servant. And they walked for days, and they couldn't find these donkeys. And when they really, really were bothered, the donkeys were actually found... To the point that the father was now looking for them like the donkeys. But it was all in the scheme of God's divine plan and orchestration to bring Saul to the throne. Because the boy was ordinarily shy. So if they told him he was going to be the king, he would have gone for a beeline and gone in the opposite direction. And that's what's happened to most of us. There are people who are not called and they have gone. That those of us who were called who said, God, no, you must be talking to somebody else, not me. I'm too short. And so Saul and his servant are led to prophet Samuel. And the Bible says that the Lord had literally bent the ear of prophet Samuel the day before telling him that, let the cook or your steward or your chef keep a portion of the the cook. Because some boy is coming tomorrow. He thinks he's looking for lost donkeys. Long story short, Samuel speaks to Saul. Tells Saul what's going to happen to life. Saul becomes the king. And then he intrudes into an office he had no business intruding. And he lost the kingdom. And God said to him that I've taken this kingdom from you through the lips of prophet Samuel. And I'm giving it to your companion, but I'm giving it to a man after my own heart. I'm told the demographic here is about 20 to 35. So for those of you who are 20, 19, even 18, 17, by the way, I was born again in 1979. In two years' time, it will be 40 years. I'm now 53. Yes, I am. 53. I have a daughter who is 24. I have lived more of my life as a born again believer than as a human being with no regrets. I don't know what peer pressure is like. God called David the man after his heart while he was 17. So what that means is that while you think you are a young boy, the Lord sees you different, like he saw Gideon different. So God now says this boy, David, is going to be the king. But this boy is not even respected by his dad. He's not, you talk about functional family, big time. Case study. But anyway, Samuel goes to the house and, you know, Samuel looked at the first son, sideburns, tall, husky voice, and said, that's him. God said, No, that's not him. The next guy, God, i been You wonder, what did that guy do? Because before Samuel could open his mouth, God said, This one, no, no, no. <laughs> no. You know, it's like Koniah in Jeremiah. Mark that man childless. Why would you say such a thing? So, David is chosen by God to be the next king, and the But Saul obviously gets upset because an evil spirit is bothering his life and he's pouting and he's behaving funny. And one fine day, the psychologist of his time said that only to calm down this issue is to get somebody who can play music properly. Not just... That brings more demons. (laughs) Properly. And then somebody said, I have seen a particular son of Jesse. One of them. And lists about six things about this boy. Which six things when David was doing, nobody bothered about him. Like how you come here, you walk in McDonald's, you do care work, you do that, and it looks like the pathway that you are doing. But somewhere along the line, all things always work together for your good. He played music for Saul, and Saul tried to throw this thing at him and dodged him. David becomes a friend with Saul's son Jonathan, who is heir apparent. And the 14, 14, got a covenant, an agreement, a deal. They merged their souls, not in a soul tie but they merged it in a real Christian deep covenant brotherhood relationship. And while they were doing that, it was only Saul, sorry, Jonathan, that had things to bring to the table as the tokens of the covenant. David had nothing. His daddy gave him nothing. His father thought nothing about him. His mother probably was not the woman the father married. So he had nothing but a catapult. Saul brought his girdle, his sword, he brought everything. And sometimes in life when you have these relationships, it looks like it's skewed. You live with your flatmate and you're the only one doing the groceries. You're the one doing all that. And sometimes the devil tells you that, you know, she's hiding her money. He's keeping his money. see if that was not enough. Saul discovered that he hated David because the women sang a song, launched an, an album, a CD for David. Saul said, I'm not going to have this and I'm going to kill this boy. And here you are, God is walking with David. Saul is the king. The heir apparent to the throne who is the son of the king is friends with the father's arch enemy, David. To a point that somewhere in the story, Saul actually calls Jonathan a very terrible name. The King James says, thou son of a perverse, rebellious woman. If you look at what that means in one of your modern English translations, it's really bad. Really bad. And they actually wrote it like that. But one day, Jonathan tells Saul, David, sorry, let's cut a covenant Just tell me that you'll do my family well. That you'll take care of them. He said, I will. But when you looked at David, there was no promise. He had no car, homeless, fatherless, motherless, wifeless, cashless. Just less all the way. But he became king. And that fine morning, the way the Lord does it, brought it into David's memory. What is sad about this story is that Jonathan never lived to see David do his bit of the covenant. And you might almost want to think he died with his daddy that day in regret. But they are covenant blessings and they are covenant rewards. So David just said, is there not anybody from the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness? I am king with the difference. For the sake of Jonathan, my friend. He said, yeah, there's a boy, but you know, he's, he's in Lodiba. Lodiba means a place of communication, no information, totally blackout, network failure, black spot, Nothing. And he's living with a man who is called Makar. Makar means to batter, to trade, to exchange. So it's like, you sing double-double, this is trouble-trouble. Treble. <laughs> Mephibosheth himself, his name means mouth of shame. How much can you take? And so David said, let's find out. They called this servant called Ziba. He was like a crook. 15 sons, 20 servants. That's 35 people. That's going to be important in a minute. And so he came and said, yep, there's a boy. He's in Lodiba. I said, bring him. They brought Mephibosheth. He was lame, remember? He wasn't born like that. Remember, the nanny was running after Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And then the nanny buckled over and this boy just got into polio. So he wasn't born like that. So you can imagine at that stage in life, he's carried everywhere. His visions are over. His dreams are over. Everything he wants to do in life is just not there. He's locked in bar. He lives with Makar, who is also having his own problems. Shortchanging people in life. And suddenly out of nowhere. Sometimes you can tell your life will change because the dogs are all in a straight row. But sometimes your life changes when there are no dogs in any row. Because the excellency of power belongs to God. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, where he wants, with whom he wants. All for his glory. And to establish his covenant. Mephibosheth looked at David and David said, Mephibosheth, is that you? He said, yes, sir. from today you're going to eat at my table when God does it he leaves no room for anybody to argue these are transformations that are mind boggling number two all the real estate of your grandfather I know maybe you thought your name was not in a wheel That your grandfather owned, owned becomes yours today. And he turns to Ziba and says, See to it. By the way, Ziba, from today, you, your 15 boys, and your 27s, and if you had the boys, you must have had a wife. That's the only way it happens. No matter what you think, that's the only way it happens. So that's all 37 of you come into the employment of Mephibosheth. Suddenly, a guy who was lame becomes an employer. And because David could see this sparkle in Zeba's eyes, he said, "Ziba, I'm reminding you, Mephibosheth shall eat at my table every day. And Mephibosheth yes, sir. It's like, this is too good to be true. Why is she being promoted? This HR lady that nobody likes gave her a gift. What is it about her? What is that man telling them in that church? You better go to that church and find out too. Because it's a place where favor is. It's like, Ziba, I'm telling you for the third time. Mephibosheth is going to eat at my table the exact same thing that the king's sons eat. So the covenant blessings change his diet, change his life, change his livelihood, change his prospects, make him an employer, and just make him sit where he never sat before. He was called from Lodiba, but he never went back to Lodiba. He moved from Lodiba to Jerusalem. So I'm talking to two or three sets of people this morning. Set one is those of you who have done so much for people And you feel that nobody has recognized you. And I want to just tread gently here because the greater bulk of us all here are from Africa, I think. So you keep sending things home. Okay? But let's say the West Africans are the Africans. You always have to send money home, send a t-shirt home. Send Chicago Bulls or uh, Wayne Rooney. Send a laptop. Africans always want phones. Send phones. And, you're send, and sometimes you feel they don't understand. I'm walking in the snow. It could be your covenant deal. Because one day, something may happen. You may live to see it, or you may not live to see it. Secondly, the Davids who really in themselves just feel that, you know, We go to Nando's and she pays all the time. You know, it's like, you know, I just keep doing the refills and the refills. But, you know, I want to be able to pay, but I don't have the money. And then the Mephibosheths, who thought that their daddy and their mother left nothing for them. Pastor Joseph, there are many things we do in my country I don't know how to say it. I know you're streaming live. But because I'm on television for 21 and a half years, I have been on television for 21 and a half years. Read my lips. Absolutely free of charge. National television, prime time. How does that work? There is no department. There is no place. Not even the office of the president. That we will knock on the door and they will tell us no. Because some things you get is not money that gives you. It's your integrity and your good name. Many years ago somebody called me and said, uh, my, husband and I, my husband and I would like to see you. And I thought, Ooh, what happened? Somebody in church has done something. So I said, okay. But I didn't go. This was like um, 2007. And then she called again. Four days later. Pastor Forbes, we want to see you. So I went. Cut a long story short, they handed me a tertiary college, two campuses, all the staff, foreign account, local account, students, computers, and everything. Sometimes it's all your mother did, all your father did, the people they spoke to, the people they brought home for Christmas lunch. And you looked at them and they were adding the cranberry sauce into the custard. And you felt so bad because that's not the way we do Christmas. <laughs> but in as much as you did it to one of this list of my brethren, So Mephibosheth's life totally changed. Flesh began to come on his bones. He began to dream again and smile again. And he was an employer. He started getting accountants all around him and doing so many things. And you could tell that life had changed. What the Nigerians say? Level don't change. So one fine day, and I'm about ending. One fine day, the king decides to have Dinner and invites some of his friends. And beautiful table, seven calls, everybody's around, sit on the table, and Mephibosheth just starts cracking jokes and he's telling stories, and people are laughing, and he's laughing, and people are choking on the jokes. You know, and they're taking some more turkey and, you know, let me have the Yorkshire put in there. Can I have the mint sauce, please? And, you know, I'm just having fun and he's telling jokes, open jokes, and everybody is happy. Wow. And there's this couple. They are also at the table. And so finally, after the dessert and their tea and their mint and their after eights and their toothpicks and all the things you do, they bade the king farewell and they went home. They showered. I like the way you're all looking at me. (laughs) And they got into their PJs and they snuggled in bed and the wife says to the husband, darling, wow, what a night we've had. Great fellowship, great food. I mean, that guy, people man, that guy tells jokes one after the other. You know, great guy. What they did not know was that under that white tablecloth were feet that were not functioning and legs that could not move because in the mercy of God over our lives, he's not going to wait until we have it all together before he makes us a blessing. And so these tablecloths become cloths of mercy covering the goodness of God of our life yet establishing his covenant for us. That God is not going to wait until you have it all together until you can work until everything is fine and people will go with a wonderful opinion of how great things are in your life. But you know that you are really a work in progress. Because my feet cannot move doesn't mean I can't crack jokes. Because sometimes in the cracking of the jokes, maybe strength will come into my neuromuscular junctions and life can come again. Because it's all in the package that Jesus died for. Because as long as God says what he says about me, it's going to happen. And God is not going to wait until I have it all together before he blesses me. CLF. Regardless. Regardless. People still ask me, how do you do what you do? Because the demographics of my country is a ratio of one to nine with our faith and the other faith. So how is it possible? The covenant. You have a goodly heritage. You know, I know sometimes it's difficult. Well, in America, I am told the two days of the year that money is spent most, one of those days is Mother's Day. And that's great. And I hear that Father's Day, you are lucky if you find five envelopes in the post. But hello, you came because Daddy did something. Whether you like him or not. So the covenant still stands. And I'm saying lift your expectation up. And bless people. Whoever they are. Wherever they are. However they are. Whatever they are. Just bless them. Because you are creating a legacy. Maybe even for your children. When Mephibosheth was called that morning. He had no clue. The people that King David talked to. Had no clue. Ziba himself. Had no idea. But God. remembered how good Jonathan was to David. And made sure David kept it in his heart. And when David remembered. David did not put a percentage. A fraction on it. He said I'm giving you everything. Now, of course, the Bible does not trace everything that happens to Mephibosheth and his son because that's not the main theme of the scriptures, but I think it's going to be good. So you are in a covenant too with Jesus. You are in a covenant with other people at different levels. Just do your part. And know that this covenant is coming with a blessing. And when that blessing comes, regardless the condition of the people around, God will lift them up. And I'm grateful that God does that because there's a simple verse in the Bible that goes like this. After all, love covers a multitude of sins and faults. I believe if Mephibosheth tried to stand after that dinner party, that's just how my head works. If he tried to stand up and he fell down, One of those two people would have said, I knew he was too good to be true. She's too good to be true. And the genuine sincerity and innocence of your heart in dealing with people gets wiped away. And suspicion and word from knowledge, not of knowledge, take over. But God wasn't going to have it. And everybody that went around that table thought this guy, because everybody was seated. And when we sit Except you look under to know whether I'm wearing shoes or not. We don't look under. God covers until he finishes what he's walking in in our lives. Can I leave you with that? Is it short and sweet? Am I in good time? I have more time. Okay, turn to the book of Nahum then. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Joseph, let's Bless the Lord. we love you. See you some other time or when your pastor comes to my country. I want us to stand. Thank you so much. And Pastor Forbes, who's actually an apostle. Um, He doesn't like being called Apostle Forbes, but I think Apostle Forbes is going to (laughs) come. I couldn't resist. Apostle Pastor Forbes is going to come. And I wanted to pray over us, those three key areas. Um, I believe that it's a very prophetic word that has been spoken into many of our lives. So I want him to pray. I want you to lift your hands, open your spirit as he prays over us. Thank you. And I pray together with your pastor because he's the one with authority over this house. Father, we lift our hands together. for covenant rewards, regardless. Lord, you will change the story of this ministries and church and all the daughter cells around the world in the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, you have strategically given them a vision and you will strategically bring people that only this ministry will reach in a unique way. Thank you for keeping it multicultural, multi-ethnic. Lord, because you want to reach the nations of the world. And so Lord, we are asking for the oil to fall. we are asking for the grace to abound, and we are asking of oh God that the might of God stand between them and every walk of the enemy against them. Thank you, Lord, that as we end this calendar year, this church, this apostle, these ministries is marked amongst those that would lift up their hands in great gratitude. The testimonies we have this- will open up. Thank you for the Mephibosheths of this house. Thank you for the Davids of this house. Thank you for the Jonathans of this house. Thank you God for transmission from Lodiba to Jerusalem. Thank you oh God from unemployment to 37 employees. Thank you oh God for changing the way we see ourselves from dead dogs into sitting with the princes of your people. Let your hand rest upon them Lord. Let your hand rest upon them. Let dead dreams come alive again. Let dead dreams come alive again, and let your hand be strong. Thank you for the apostle and his wife and all who serve together. May your grace be their portion in Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen, thank you so much, Pastor Forbes.